Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark. My name is Jessica. And today we have the man, the myth, the legend... This is our studio audience already going crazy. Donovan Dome. What's up, guys? Welcome. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Feeling good today. Studio audience is clearly loving you. Wow. That's the craziest I've ever seen them go. Yep. So for those that might not be familiar with your voice, Donovan, who are you? Where'd you come from? And how'd you get to teach this weekend for us at Menlo Church? Yeah. Um... Well, my name is Donovan. I am the student director at our San Mateo campus. Shout out to San Mateo. Um, Yeah, and and this past Sunday uh, was Student Sunday. Um, And so traditionally, Mm -hmm. it's been a Sunday where we get to kind of highlight the students, um, not really for the sake of tokenism, but I, I do think really to highlight some of the discipleship that's happening in our, our student ministries across our campuses. And, um, and I love that about student Sunday. And then typically a student director will preach, uh, just to give folks a little, a uh, little sample, a little taste of yeah. what our students get. And so, um, that's how I got there okay. because, you know, I am a student director. So. <laughs> And you looked super comfortable up there. So for those that aren't familiar with student programming, what do you guys do? Do you have messages each week? Does it look like the services that we have? Or what's that process like? Yeah, our our student ministries, for the most part, um, are designed to mirror the Sunday morning experience okay. uh, for our students. Um, we have, you know, kind of a, an intro time of getting to hang out and mm-hmm. catch up all of all of our volunteers and our students uh all in one space together but our our you know official service really does mirror Sunday mornings we have worship um corporate worship together that's fantastic um and then we have a sermon message uh that is really just more focused for students okay. kind of hitting them where they are in the season of life that they're in mm-hmm. um a little bit more dialed in to like youth culture. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's really the main difference. And then all of our, our campuses, um, we do life groups immediately after that. So, um, because we already have them on campus, yeah, let's just, let's do it all at one time. And um, that's a huge benefit because it, the evening kind of moves or afternoon, depending on which campus, uh, from a very large group to a more focused group to an even smaller focus group. And so the intimacy kind of scales, uh, deeper and deeper throughout the evening. So, um, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. So it sounds like you are mini campus pastors in a way. (laughs) I do like to tell people that I do all of my, uh, coworkers jobs at our campus, just on a much smaller scale, kind of like running a little Mm -hmm. mini church of just smaller people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Very true. uh, yeah, yeah. We have our own connections teams and people who do, uh, Food service and yeah. worship. You're tech. doing it. And we saw some of those worship and tech people in the service this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That was I love seeing the students up there. And I think there was also a student that was video directing as well. Is that yeah, right, Jess? At the Menlo Park campus, or if you watched online, yeah. the video director was a student. Cool. What does has... it mean to video direct? 
You're asking me. <laughs> I feel like you've done it before, right? Or I haven't done it before. Oh, okay. But um, basically, when you're if you're watching online, you'll see the cameras going from, mm -hmm. you know, a shot to one worship leader, to the drummer, right. to um, the electric guitarist, back to the worship leader. And the video director is downstairs calling those shots. So he goes, OK, camera three. And then it goes to camera three and then they call camera four. Cool. So. It How kind fun. of sounds a little simple, but really you kind of have to have a knowledge of the music itself mm -hmm. of like where, you know, it's going to start getting faster. So we want to do faster camera shots and got it. Um, maybe it's like a more intimate song. So maybe you want to stay on the worship leader a little bit longer. Um, so it's kind of more, it is definitely like, um, you know, I can't think of the word, but it's also intuitive where you kind of have to know. It's a natural skill. Vibe. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's like a skill. Yeah. Shout out to Owen. Yeah. One of the coolest stories mm. from the pandemic was getting to watch him, uh, the student who was video directing this past Sunday, really start from scratch mm -hmm. and just bloom over really? the, the, the time mm -hmm. we were online on, during the pandemic into being kind of where he is now, which yeah. is teaching probably some adults how to do that stuff. And it's incredible because yeah. I think he was only in eighth grade yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic. So cool. Yeah. Um, and he just said, how can I help? Mm -hmm. and so yes. we just trained him and I didn't train him. I don't know how to do any of that stuff, but our team trained him mm -hmm. and he just took over and it was yeah. fantastic. So he would do a lot of um, holding the camera, which is oh, also yeah. a difficult skill. Mm -hmm. um, and then he's been helping out like once a month or so on Sunday morning, still at Menlo park. And then, asked if he could step into this kind of role and it was like yeah that's awesome that's so awesome yeah and if you are interested in helping out with students helping out with any of the video and production you could just text me and let me know text our team 650-600-0402 and i will pass those on to maybe you want to help donovan out and his team on wednesday nights in san mateo great just let me know i'll get you in contact with mm -hmm. them or production team or if you want to help out online and be in our live audience that we yeah. have here that we're going to have <laughs> um just let us know because we'd love that so donovan for those that are listening that might not have heard your sermon on sunday which we are so sorry that they didn't can you give them a quick recap and then we'll jump in from there yeah so uh phil led the first two weeks of this for the base series talking about how we can love our neighbor and how we can serve our neighbor and then our final week was focused on how we can share the hope of the gospel with them. Um, and really the, the underlying assumption of this message was that it's not enough just to merely love and serve them. Mm. Those are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Those are things Jesus calls us to do. But the why behind those things um, is because we ultimately want them to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so we have to share with them who Jesus is and why he came and the impact that that has had in our life um, so that they can make the informed decision about whether they want to follow him and enter into that relationship as well. Mm. Um, and I spent my time Sunday morning really focusing on why we should do it and how we can mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of folks mm -hmm. would say they understand the why, um, but I just wanted to be very clear with that. And then the how is often, I think, where a lot of people get tripped up, which is, um, you know, what exactly do I do in order to share my faith, share the message of the gospel with maybe my friends and family, people that know me really well, but they aren't believers or complete strangers, you know, just people that I am in contact with, you know, going through the drive through at Starbucks sure. or, or wherever I am. And so uh, that was really the hope of the message. And so I spent time 
looking at the Great Commission where Jesus asks, uh, not asks, that was one of my main points, he doesn't ask, he tells, <laughs> he tells us, you know, to go and make disciples and really understanding that that is a command, that is a directive, it isn't an ask, it's not a request. Mm. Um, so it, it requires us to be obedient. Um, and then I fleshed out a little bit of what exactly is a disciple, uh, because it's hard to go and do something if you don't really know what exactly it is you're aiming at. And so I, I talked about discipleship uh, being the process of learning who Jesus is and becoming more like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's something that we are all called to really play a part in. When Jesus says, make disciples, discipleship is a command. The implication is that uh, everyone must be discipled. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. then must be discipled. And so it's it's calling into question a little bit of like, who's discipling you? Who are you discipling? That's something that I was hoping people would begin to think about. Um, and then when I got to the how, how do we do it? Uh, I really wanted to give practical tips. Um, and they, they're not the end-all be-all of how we can share the gospel with people. Uh, I want to be really clear about that. There are other ways to do it. Um, but these are ones that I felt were manageable. They were um, something that you can go out and do this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, those, those three were share your moments, share a meal, and share the message. Um, and share, share your moments was really about uh, looking at the ordinary uh, moments that you have throughout your week as opportunities to enter into spaces with people right where they're at and engage them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of first step right? Mm -hmm. You can't share the gospel with people if you're not engaging with Mm -hmm. people. And so viewing the opportunities throughout the week you have to engage people, just going about your business. Um, And then sharing a meal uh, really is focused on hospitality, bringing people around a table as a a way to build trust. Um, And uh, we see Jesus do that. And I talked about that. And then I I landed on share, share the message because um, that's the part that we actually have to do. That's where this is all going is you have to then share the gospel with them. You have to share, uh, at least about how the gospel has changed you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave some, uh, kind of examples of what that can look like. And I talked about Jesus telling us to be witnesses and that's a, that's a how, right? Mm-hmm. It's really just retelling the story and, and sharing about how it's impacted you. Um, And for brains like ours, I know that you appreciate this, Jess, but like that tactical, the tangible, like next steps, we love that. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that about your message. And I really appreciated how you started with, these are potential reasons why someone might not want to share. Totally. Mm -hmm. How did you get to those? Uh, Some of those are research informed. Okay. Um, Some of those, we had put a poll out on our social media, Menlo students, um, and Menlo Church asking folks about that. And yep. so we got to hear from some adults. We got to hear from some students, which I think was great because students and adults were both in the room at all mm-hmm. of our campuses and mm-hmm. online. And so uh, some of that, like I said, was research. Some of that was we got to hear from actual people in our church. Mm-hmm. And that's how we kind of, and a lot of those answers like were those things. People said those exact things. Like, right. I'm just afraid of what people will think of me. Yeah. Um, or I don't know how. Like, I, I would love to, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Those were answers that were coming straight from the people and straight from, uh, you know, the top research out there um, in the church world. And, and so 
I really wanted to name those elephants in the room because I think sometimes we can assume that everybody understands and that everybody wants to Mm. uh, and that there are no obstacles, like just go and do it. But the reality is even for me, even for us as as people who are pastors or, or staff at a church, this is our job. And yet when I go out into the world outside of the walls of this church, I experience all of the same things that everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I experience mm-hmm. the fear. I have all kind of uh, <laughs> imposter syndrome when it comes to the lack of knowledge. And uh, so those are real. I wanted to name those. I wanted to fe- I wanted people to feel seen and heard mm-hmm. with the things that, you know, yep. may be in the way for them. Yep. It definitely established common ground. Mm-hmm. And it, we we all kind of got on the same page. Jess, was there any of those, like, any holdups for you when it comes to sharing faith? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I just do it all the time to everybody I see. Classic. No, no, I was just thinking, like, I think it's so great that you, like, acknowledge those. And like you said, Mark, get everybody on the same page. Because I think there's so many people probably in the room, and myself included, that hear the beginning of this message. You're like, oh, great. Another right sermon where you're going to tell me I need to be going out and sharing the gospel, which yes, we're supposed to be doing, but it always just feels like such this big, like heavy thing really. Um, but just to like put it in that context of we're all, we, a lot of us feel this, most of us probably feel this for whatever reason you do or don't feel this is like, you're not the only person that Mm -hmm. feels that. Um, yeah, I think for me, a lot of it is, I think the way, the way like people pleasing almost like, I don't want people to think differently of me. I don't want people mm-hmm. to think negatively mm-hmm. of me, especially in our context in the world today in Western culture of so much, the word evangelical is so negative and the word Christian and the word religion. And mm-hmm. you hear those terms and you think, oh, people are going to be like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. They're weird or they're super conservative or they're, you know, probably a supporter of this and a supporter of that. And you just like, I don't really like want to, you know, jump into this huge, could be what potentially could be a giant conversation. And for me, it's like having to over explain myself of like, oh, no, but I promise I'm a cool Christian. Like, (laughs) I swear it's just, it's more about like following Jesus. And so, I think for me, that's like such a big hang up. And um, I think it's really just about, like you said, like just sharing, I mean, period, sharing, but like sharing your story, I think is so powerful. And just like the way you live should reflect the way Jesus lived and the way you care for people and the way that you tell them how this man who lived 2000 years ago shaped has shaped your life and who you mm. are like that should be a good thing in your life and so you should want to then share that and let other people have those feelings as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i think one of the things that i was thinking about as i was preparing this um and it's, it's fairly easy for me to think through the lens of of sharing with someone who's not a believer because my dad's not a believer. Mm. Um, and, uh, as I, as you, you know, you're talking about the assumptions that people make because mm. they find out you're a Christian and I'm like, but I also know what they're talking about yes. and we know what they're talking about. Yeah. We know, mm-hmm. uh, that some of those things have unfortunately been true and there's a, there's a good mm-hmm. reason why they make those assumptions. Yep. Uh, and so looking at 
that and looking through the lens of someone like my dad, like I, I understand that and I can empathize with that. Mm -hmm. But I also want to humanize uh, not only them and where they're coming from, but us uh, as followers of Jesus who are trying to faithfully share something that has transformed our lives. Like I want to humanize that part too. Mm -hmm. And so that that was why I shared some of those reasons because we're all trying to be obedient, but we're also wrestling with the reality that this requires us to interact with other people mm -hmm. who they're coming in with all of their own stuff mm -hmm. and knowledge and assumptions mm -hmm. and experiences. So, um, yeah. 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 I was thinking a little bit about, uh, my brother and his wife both grew up in the church and completely don't follow the faith anymore. And you know, that immediately that is who comes to my mind. And so it's like, they have all the knowledge. My brother actually went to school to become a youth pastor. And so it's like, you know, it's not, they're not coming from ground zero. It's like, they know all of this stuff. Mm. And so what I try to do is just change their opinion, maybe not about religion in general or Jesus or whatever, but just change their opinion in the sense of not everything that you know, Christians do or that the church does or whatever is horrible. Like mm -hmm. there's also some good stuff out there. You know, I like to share like, you know, um, some of the cool things that, you know, we're doing like our run for hope, how we are like, you know, we were so, it's so, uh, excuse me. It was all about mental health. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of churches talk about that. And so mm -hmm. getting to share with them just little things like that every once in a while I think has helped, I hope, has helped change their perspective on, hey, maybe you were burned by the church years ago, but not all churches are that way and not all Christians are that way. Um, there are, you know, believers out there who are doing good in the world. And um, so I think it's it's good to put it in that perspective too. Like you're not just sharing the gospel with um, people who have zero idea who this Jesus person is, or like even a little bit of an idea. There's also a large majority of people out there who were believers and are now de-churched and, um, getting to share our moments and share meals with them is still just as important. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of orbiting around this idea that culture does not necessarily want us to share, mm. or it might be a hard thing to share. And you kind of mentioned that in your message too, Donovan. What were your thoughts going into that? And for you, was it just like, man, I need to make the case for this, or the case is we should share? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always the temptation to for us to yield to the culture, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we want to be as respectful of people and their boundaries. And I think that's where culture is headed is, um, and I think Phil's talked about this, this idea of tolerance, but that definition is shifting from what mm. maybe it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and it, it, it's hard now to be in that space of, of having conversations with people of, different faith or who would say that they don't believe in any religion or don't partake in any of that. Um, because you really, there's a limit to how much you can really get to know someone when you're not able to share those 
pieces of yourself with them Mm -hmm. for them and for you. Right. And so I think that's a dangerous place because it limits our ability to really know each other for one. Um, But as far as us as followers of Jesus and what we've been tasked with doing by Jesus, um, we have to be as countercultural as he was. And that Mm. that's a hard and uncomfortable truth is that it will draw us out into uncomfortable spaces where we may feel and may very well be going against the grain of cultural norms. And I don't pretend that that's an easy thing to do or something you can step into Mm -hmm. uh, lightly. Mm -hmm. That will have some costs Mm -hmm. um, to your relationships, to your uh, social life, um, how you're perceived in the public sphere like that there will be implications to that and i don't want to uh you know undersell that part of you know what we're being asked to do Mm -hmm. but uh that i think that's the part where we really have to rely on jesus and the promise that we will be empowered by the holy spirit to Mm -hmm. step into those spaces boldly but also the community of faith to say this is the place where uh, when I'm feeling kind of defeated or I'm feeling kind of beat down from going out and, and rubbing really hard against the grain, that I can come back and this community of believers can encourage me and be a balm for what may feel like a lot of rejection and mm-hmm. maybe even, you know, confrontation. Right. But yeah, the community piece is huge there for mm-hmm. sure. And that's something that I really appreciate about all of our communities, um, all of our different locations, is that each one of those, we try to be as community-centric as possible. And we hope that for online as well, that if you're listening here, that you would join us on Sundays, that you would either be at a campus on a Sunday if you're in town, or you join us and watch us live instead of throughout the week on YouTube, but come and be a part of our communities, because that's a huge part of just healing and processing, but also it's so fun to be in community too. And that's Mm -hmm. uplifting in itself. Totally. Yeah. And there's a piece in which we have to approach these conversations um, prayerfully as well. And that's something that you were leading towards at the end of your message was to pray for moments and to pray for moments in which that we could interact with different people. And so how how can we be aware of the moments that God might be presenting to us now? Um, as we're praying through these things throughout the week, like maybe it's God, like, yes, I want to have, you know, a good conversation today with someone in what ways, Donovan, do you think that, um, we could, we could just be more aware of what those can look like. And if we haven't prayed for those before, um, Mm -hmm. how can we just be receptive to those? Yeah. I mean, I, so I gave, the, I gave the one example of my barbershop. Yeah. yeah. What I, barbershop do you go to? I can't, I can't name it. Cause now I've already said what, what we do in there when I'm in the chair, <laughs> I don't want to out my, my man, but, um, I feel like so we go to the same one. We, we might, I'll, I'll tell you off. Okay. I'll tell you off. Okay. But, um, you know, I, I think I didn't use that as an example because I wanted to, people to say, look how great I am. Cause mm-hmm. I really didn't, I didn't go into that with that intention. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, if I had had it my way on the front end, I probably would have said, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope That's he just so cuts funny. my hair and we, you know, we, I, we talk about sports. I uh, was the coward in that situation. And when the person asked what I did, I was just like, I do like social media stuff. And like, <laughs> so he was, he's like, I always go in before um, like big shoots or Easter mm. or Christmas. So he's like, oh, you got like a big thing going? Yeah, I got like a big production thing. <laughs> and I've hinted before that like, 
it's in a church or nonprofit context, but he hasn't really picked up on it yet. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. maybe this is the conviction I needed to be a little <laughs> bit more outward in what I do. Yeah. God told Donovan a little bit, to tell that I story so. just for you. It was just for me. <laughs> oh, just thanks. It's a little bit bad. harder for me to find the out when people ask me that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I guess I could broadly say like, I work with kids, but that doesn't mm. sound very specific. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I for like, sure, what do you when mean? I, yeah, that sounds kind of weird. When I did student <laughs> ministries, I'm like, oh yeah, I work with like high school students. They're like, yeah. Oh, what context? And I'm like, okay, just, uh, yeah. just say it. Here Jessica. we go. Yeah. But I, I shared it because one, it's an example of that. That is a question that I think for me, the answer was there and there was an opportunity to then talk about church, which then leads to talking about Jesus and mm. my relationship with Jesus, how I got into being a pastor, like my history with church, why I go to church at all. All of that was sparked, and those are conversations we've had, like all of that was sparked because he asked me what I do for work. Mm -hmm. And that's a common question people ask. Another example is like people may ask you at work, wherever you are, like, what are you going to do this weekend? And if you are someone who is going to mm -hmm. go to church on Sunday, oftentimes we don't name that. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we say, well, we're you know going to watch the game or, you know, we're going to uh, go for a hike or, you know, whatever you may be doing with your family that is not church. Yeah. And you fail to mention that part, even though it's something you do every single week or, or close to it. And encouraging people like that question of what are you going to do this weekend is an opportunity to step into to that moment and share that with someone and say, I'm going to do all those things. And then on Sunday, I'm going to go to church. And that may be the first time that person is even aware that that's mm. a part of your life, that you are a follower of Jesus, and it can lead to more conversations. Or you can be bold, like I said, you know, the gentle pull of Jesus. And if you're feeling that, you can ask them, have you ever been to church? Mm -hmm. And those are just easy moments. They could say no, and that could be the end of the conversation. But we may never take mm -hmm. that opportunity. And I think mm -hmm. that could be an opportunity that God's giving to us to yep. have a spiritual conversation, to share a moment with a coworker or a friend or someone who otherwise, you know, isn't a follower of Jesus, doesn't know much about Jesus, is, you know, turned off to the idea of church and Christianity. So mm -hmm. I want to encourage people to really think deeply about the moments that you find yourselves mm -hmm. in, the little ordinary things like someone asking you what you're doing this weekend. It's so normal for us. Mm -hmm. And yet we we may be missing that opportunity. Yeah. I think sometimes too, like I'll just say like, oh I, I work I'm working on Sunday. But I don't like go into like <laughs> oh, what yeah, I'm actually yeah. doing. Like or they're like, oh how was your morning? Oh I just got off work and kind of just wait and like oh I'm like I I know I should be saying something. I think, too, part of it is a little bit of self-awareness, because mm. if you if your barber had asked, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor. You know, I work with students or whatever. And he's like, oh, cool. And then moved on. That's not the opportunity for you to push harder. I feel like there's definitely it, I don't think it always means to, like, completely ignore it or never go back to it. Sure. But I think sometimes we, we also don't want to like come off a little too pushy. I think some people would be like, Oh cool. Tell me more about that. Just like your barber did. Um, and then, you know, if they don't react well, you can kind of leave it. And then maybe the next time you see this person or talk to this person, you know, mention something else about church or whatever, and just kind of, you know, drop things here and there. And, um, I think sometimes too, like we get a little too excited and push into a conversation that they're not wanting to have or ready to have. And so I, I, 
I'm, you know, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it feels like that's kind of a, a part of it as well. There's a fair amount of reading the room that goes yes, into exactly. these, <laughs> these moments, these conversations, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think, yeah, even if they're just being kind, just, you know, being cordial and they'll mm -hmm. ask you more. They may not be actually interested. Right. That happens, especially in a barber. That's kind of their job to make yeah. conversation. But like it's still an opportunity. Right. Absolutely. For however much room, you know, they're going to give you. Yes is an opportunity to share, like, share. Yeah. Because you never know what what the impact of that will be, what they're going to go home and think about, mm -hmm. what they're going to go home and, and talk mm -hmm. with their families about. Mm -hmm. They may say, I had this crazy conversation today, but you know what? Like, it got me thinking about it. So yeah. you just never know. Yeah. And mm -hmm. take the opportunities as they come. Uh, but yeah, re definitely read the room. Yeah. Someone's like... <laughs> Yeah. Not not trying to have the conversation with you, yeah. Uh, you you kind of become a, yeah. a pest if you just keep pushing pushing yeah. it forward. Yeah. Definitely. And then you go to try to make a haircut appointment, and they're like, "Oh, oh sorry, sorry. we're all booked. We're all booked up yeah. for the next three years." <laughs> yeah. I don't want this guy coming That's to my funny. place again. And like reading the room and that context of the conversation, like that matters mm -hmm. as well. And that leads right into your second point of sharing a meal with someone, because that context is so much different than a checkout at the counter conversation or running into someone on the street conversation. And so uh, you kind of briefly talked earlier about how that can, you know, how there's trust that can be built in those conversations. So what, how is that context different and what is it about a meal that is so special? I think, I think the meal piece is you're, you're never more human than when you're doing like a basic human function, right? Mm -hmm. So like when you're eating, we all got to eat. Mm -hmm. And so there's something that is already built in that's like, this is a shared thing immediately. Yeah. We all do this. We, we all, for the most part, love food. So uh, I think there's a part of, that's a part of why it, it is a, a disarming thing. But you're also often inviting people into your home. That's your private space. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be. You could go out to eat. That's fine. But like when you're sitting around the table, you're forced to kind of look at each other, to talk to each other. You're, you're in a hopefully a relatively small table. It's not like you're mm -hmm. at a long you know, conference table, but you're sitting around and conversation becomes a natural part of that. Um, and it, it can feel very intentional. It can feel very intimate. And I think that's why it's it's a little bit different than the sharing your moments in that you're you're setting it up as an opportunity to really get to know somebody better. And it's intentional in that in that way. Um, and I think when I was thinking about that particular tip, what I had in mind was that neighbor card that we had in mm. week one, which is uh you know, what would it look like for the people that you live around who may, you know, be a hundred feet from you? What would it look like to invite them into your space to share a meal? And it's not like you have no context. You guys live next door, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it could be as simple as, hey, you know, we've been living next to each other for three months, three years, 30 right. years. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But we'd love to have you over um, for, for our dinner. I don't think that that um, is something that, unless you, you have a contentious relationship with your neighbor after all those years of living together, I don't think that that's something that's weird. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, even in our day and age where let's feel say like many of us don't know our neighbors, I still think there's an opportunity there to rewrite the norm, uh, of whatever your norm of your relationship is with your neighbor. I think there's an opportunity to kind of 
do it over by asking them over for dinner. And maybe it doesn't start with the direct ask for dinner. Maybe it's, hey, we made some cookies. We wanted to just share them. Like mm. that's a that's a easy thing to do. Um, but I think when you get them around the table, then you can really ask them about their life. Mm-hmm. You can ask them about their story. And I think people love to feel seen and known mm-hmm. and heard. Um, and like I said, it's, it's building trust. And so even if in that moment, you, that's not the moment you may share about your faith, perhaps. Um, but I think it's establishing a relationship of trust. And I think that's what we see mm-hmm. Jesus often do is he's building the trust and it's leading to getting to share the message, getting right. to share the hope of why he came and what he came to do. Um, but there needs to be that uh, shared space, that trust that's kind of underneath uh, what what we're being asked to do later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a huge that's a huge uh, part of the battle. Is mm-hmm. can you build up enough relational trust? And I think sharing a meal is is a great way to do that. Great, and that again. You, you already kind of talked about it just now, but open and honesty. And in that, in that trust comes openness and, or the opportunity, like you're saying, I'm just running this through a lens of trying to approach things I, I do as an opportunity that leads towards sharing with Jesus. And so all of these things are kind of moving in that direction. So, yeah. man, that's great. Um, as you were preparing for this, I'm sure... Uh, you probably had a ton more thoughts that you wish you could have included. If you had more time, what else would you have included? Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had had more time and, and maybe a little bit uh, more of an opportunity to divert from just the sharing piece, I think the next and obvious thing is after you share with them, what do you do with what, however they respond? Oh yeah. Right. Like mm. you share this with them and let's just, let's just say it goes really well and they want to give their life to Jesus right there. What do you do? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, and it, it's not, I, I want to be really clear. Like we have no power to make them make that choice. Yeah. That's their decision. That's between them and God. Yeah. We could be helpful, but you know, we have no control over that. But once they say yes to Jesus, the other half of this go and make disciples directive mm-hmm. comes into play because like I said, discipleship is a, is a lifelong process mm-hmm. and we're called to, to really commit and be invested in the discipleship of the believers. And so you then have an ob- obligation to not just leave them there, <laughs> but you have to enter into this process. And maybe you are not the person to be discipling them. You, because of a lack of knowledge, because of, you know, any, any number of reasons, but, mm-hmm. uh, the responsibility then is how do I help you with your next steps? Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's connecting you to a local church, mm-hmm. could be my church, could be a different church, could be connecting you to a pastor who can kind of help you. So that mm-hmm. to me is what I wish, you know, and that's a whole nother series but it, it flows straight from that one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to send people into that <laughs> situation right. and they go, it worked. It was great. Like yeah. they heard my story and then they wanted to give their lives to Jesus. But now what? So I, I would have loved to maybe spend a little bit of, of time just saying, and here's here's how to help a new believer uh, 
through the first couple steps of their discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have, I would have loved to spend time on that. Uh, but that, mm-hmm. that would have, I would have, we would have been there all day, um, <laughs> doing that. So maybe that's something for us to do in the near future is, is to kind of equip our people for, uh, when that all goes perfectly well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. As you were talking, I was just thinking about people like Paul in the Bible who didn't necessarily disciple every single person that he came in contact with. Yeah. But what he did was help get them, help send other people on his behalf, help get them into their local church. And so in a way, we're all just trying to be many Pauls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I love that because uh, even though that's a tall order being Paul. Yeah. Uh, but when you see in Timothy, when he talks about, you know, everything that I've taught you, you can now entrust to reliable people. Right. And so it, it is a, it's, it's a process of equipping all people uh, in the church to be a part of the discipleship process of one another. And I think that's, that's really what we're called to do is build out these networks of discipleship that allows for everybody in whatever season of life they're in to be discipled and to be in the process of discipling somebody else, um, which is why I love being in student ministry, because as a, as a relatively young person, there's not a lot of younger people than me, mm-hmm. um, but I get to focus specifically on them and how can I disciple them while I'm being discipled myself. Yeah. That's a very mature take, Donovan. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we wrap up, any other lingering thoughts or encouragement that you'd like to leave the people listening with this week? Mm, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think uh, my, first, my first encouragement is that you don't have to do it in isolation. Mm. I think a lot of people hear... Uh, this is what Jesus called us to do. And so I have to go out and do it. And that's true. But I, I, I think the idea is, uh, there's a reason Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. There's a reason why mm-hmm. we see Paul with Barnabas and, and, and Timothy and mm-hmm. Silas. It's, it's a, a team sport sort of, you know, like mm-hmm. to go out on your own and try to do it. And there will be moments where you will be by yourself. Sure. But, uh, doing it in community is a part of the deal. And I think that's the only way your own soul uh, holds up against kind of what we've talked about, uh, going against the grain of the culture and feeling like it's too much to hold on my own and have all of this coming back at me that what I'm doing is wrong or people don't want this or all all of those things. Like you need to be able to fall back on community. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so I would say that's the number one encouragement is to remember that you're doing this with others. Mm. And if, if you're someone who's a, a part of the others, like remember you are somebody's other and, and you're encouraging others too. And so um, that's the first encouragement. I think the second encouragement is to just be very prayerful. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times we can hear what our marching orders are and then go and try to do it in our own strength. Mm. And the and reality is, like, and maybe this is something I would say I would have wanted to spend more time on too, is uh, in that step between us sharing and us discipling someone who decided to give their life to Jesus, there's the moment where that person and God have a real, honest encounter, and they, they choose to give their life to Jesus. Um, and I, I want for people to understand that, like, 
to be really prayerful through the whole process because that moment's going to come and we may not see it happen. Hmm. Um, but on both sides of it, like we have to be ready. And so we have to be in tune and in line with what the spirit of God is doing. Hmm. Um, and so it, it is a, a constant uh, conversation you're having with God every time you're in, uh, in someone else's space, you're in proximity with someone to go, God, is there anything that you would have me say to this mm -hmm. person? Is there anything that you would have me do, uh, that may, that may help mm -hmm. and help me partner with you? Mm -hmm. Um, any way that I could be of service to be useful. And so I think that's the second encouragement is, you know, it's not on your own strength, but it's on the Holy Spirit who will give you power. And if you're moving in the direction that God is moving, then mm -hmm. you'll, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you touched on something that we used to talk about this in the student ministries too, of like sometimes as, you know, the youth pastor, the kids director, whatever, you're the beginner. You're starting by planting the seed. And so when you're leading these students, you might not see life change right then. Totally. But you're starting that process. And so maybe 15 years down the road, someone else steps into their life and does the same thing. And they're like, oh, that's kind of like what my, my youth pastor was talking about way back in the day. Now I get it. And that's when they start to like connect with Jesus and have that mm. God moment. And so I think sometimes too, there, could, there can be a disappointment if we don't feel like the work that we're doing, the conversations that we're having are having an impact right then and there. But you never know what God can do in two days or in 20 years. Mm. And so just to keep on, like, be prayerful and have those conversations because you never know, like, mm -hmm. like you said, it's not in our power whatsoever. Yeah. There's an incredible story that Lee Strobel tells of uh, he went to see a buddy at a law firm who wasn't a believer. And he, he was walking past the firm and, and God just said, you need to go in and invite him to church. Mm. He's like, all right, okay. So he goes in and he has a <laughs> conversation. He's like, I know this guy doesn't like want to go to church. He's not a believer. We've had plenty of conversations about it, but he's like, I, I went up to the office and I told him, Hey, do you want to come to church? And he kind of laughed at him. He says, Lee, you know, I'm not a Christian. Like, no, I don't want to come. And so Lee walks out and he's frustrated. And he's like, what was that all for? Yeah. Right. And he goes about his day and he's like, mm -hmm. that was it. And I just left frustrated. And, and he says, years later, a guy comes up to him at his church, says, I want to introduce myself, you know, uh, I want to thank you for inviting me to church. He's like, I don't know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've ever invited this man to church. But he says, uh, you came into a law firm that I was doing some maintenance on. And I was behind the desk. You probably didn't even see me there. He's like, the guy was chewing you out and you left. And I went home and told my wife, like, I, I heard this guy talking about in inviting someone to church. And he was talking about why he should come to church. And I remember sitting on the floor of that office thinking, I need God. Wow. He's like, we went to church, we took our kids, and so here we are. We go to this church now. I got saved, my wife got saved, my kids got saved. And he's like, Lee was like, I spent years <laughs> wondering why did he have me go into that yeah, office? So you never know. Mm -hmm. You just never know what God is doing underneath the surface, and we're just called to be obedient and mm -hmm. to look for those moments and to, to be bold and be courageous and compassionate mm -hmm. um, and then kind of let it go, leave yeah. the rest to God. So Yeah, because I think sometimes when we are bold and courageous and we finally build up the courage to 
have those difficult conversations or maybe not difficult, but just share your story and it's not received the way you were hoping. It's like, there's a level of disappointment there. You're like, God, what the heck? Like I finally did this. But yeah, like you just, you never know what God is doing in their hearts or the hearts of someone right next to them that you don't even see. That's a great story. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Gets me every time. Yeah. Aww. Well, I've circled about 30 times, just awareness and openness to opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be thinking about that and I'll be praying that for all of the, our wonderful listeners and online family. So Donovan, give a quick, quick shout out to San Mateo, a quick pitch on why someone should come help out at students mm-hmm. on, on Wednesday and why they should attend on Sundays. And we'll end with that. Yes, we have uh, an incredible group of students. And at San Mateo, like our, our vision really is to create belonging. We want every student, no matter what they believe, no matter what their background is, to feel like this place is somewhere that I belong. And our belief is that as as they come into that sense of belonging, um, that they will slowly begin to uh, brush shoulders with this Jesus um, and grow in their faith. And so um, that's really our vision. That's what we're uh, all about is creating belonging. Um, And so if that is something that you are passionate about, you want to help young people belong somewhere where they uh, don't have to show up and be any specific version. They don't have to be the most high academically achieving student. They don't have to be the perfect athlete or any of those things that the world often tells them that they have to be. Hmm. Uh, we would love to have you. Hmm. Um, you can fill out an application, go to menlo.church students, and we will, we will get in contact with you. Hmm. Awesome. If you do that, do you have, what's the commitment level? Do you have to be a life group leader? Is it nope. the only opportunity? We got tons of roles. We got tons of roles from life group leader, which is probably the highest uh, involvement and maybe the most in, uh, face-to-face role that you would have with a student to plenty of things that are face-to-face, but maybe a little uh, less in-depth and then things that happen behind the scenes um, where if you're like, I am a little on the shyer side or I don't have a ton of energy because I, I work a, a long job and I got my own kids, you could totally do something where you don't have to talk to anybody. That's, that's totally fine. But still, <laughs> be a part of the vision of helping kids mm-hmm. belong and so uh that there's there's tons of spaces we'll find a spot for you that's awesome donovan thanks so much for being here yeah absolutely guys. i think before we go i don't know about you jess but i think this is the best outfit we've had for a guest <laughs> on our podcast that's wild because Phil y'all, y'all and Cheryl. can't see but i'm wearing i'm wearing a los angeles lakers jacket i think it's the worst hey. outfit got, i'm that. surrounded by two la people here guys <laughs> i forgot me. mark's from la yeah, yeah. well <laughs> Well, yeah, you can check it out on uh, our Instagram. I'm sure I'll put up a picture of this so you I can see that as well. I almost wore my Warriors well. shirt today, too. Would, it is game day. So. It is. It is. What is All wrong right. with me? Happy game day, everybody. Bye. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>